I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and spiritual confidant. And today I have a guest with me, Francesca Hoagie, who is America's love coach and the founder of the True Love Society. Welcome, Franny. Hi, AC Brown. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so happy that you're here. And by the topic, everyone, you can see we are talking about how to know when enough is enough. And the reason why I wanted to have Franny on this episode, because she has a lot of milestone moments in her career and life when she had to know enough is enough. And what I want to talk about today is how knowing when enough is enough can be a good thing and it can also be a bad thing because sometimes we push ourselves to limits that our mind, body, and souls just can't take. And sometimes we get fed up with circumstances that don't serve us anymore. So I want to go over, just have a free flowing conversation about how you can pinpoint where in your life you've had enough and what that looks like for you taking action steps to move past that or move on to the next thing. So I would love to start with you, Franny, and telling us about some of the career moments where you've known enough is enough. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've had so many. (laughs) Um, I think... um... The I gosh, I've really I've literally had so many. I've had so many jobs. I've been working since I was 12. I'm like thinking of like there was that one, there was that one. But I'll I'll stick with the bigger one. So um the first one happened. Um, so I was I'm a recovering lawyer. So in my previous life, I was a lawyer. <laughs> and out of law school, I went to work at a big firm in New York and I had this big fancy job and it was like, yay, you know, yay, this is supposed to be so great. But I knew that it was enough for me and it wasn't going to be for me um, when I looked at the partners at the firm. And so when I first got there, I was just like, I'm just trying to pay loans. I'm just trying to like, you know, do this young professional thing. And I was very focused on that and I I wanted it to work, but it, you know, my heart was not really in it. Um, and I looked at the partners at my firm and I saw how, you know, they had worked for decades. They made millions of dollars. They had, beautiful homes, vacation homes, all of this, but they, all they did was work. And Mm. when they did go on vacation, they were constantly checking in. They're constantly on email. They're constantly responding to messages. And I just remember being like, what am I working towards here? Like, this is not, this is not the life I want for myself. You know, what's the point? There's no, if the finish line is just more work (laughs) and more grinding and not being able to relax and enjoy your life, that that's not for me. So that was my real, um, that was the enough is enough moment. Like three years in when I saw that. that Oh, wow. That's short. So you were, how long was was you a practicing attorney for just three years? So no, so that was my first enough is enough. So okay. I left, so I left, there was, oh, there was many AC. Oh Lord, AC. <laughs> pull up a chair, people, pull up a chair. <laughs> There's so many. Um, So it was, yeah, so actually it was three years when I decided enough is enough. And then I worked another, because I wanted to save money. Because I was, right. at that point, I was like, all right, well, I am going to move to LA. I'm going to um, make movies. That was the dream. Okay. And so I saved money so I could have a good cushion to like support myself. So I I worked a little while longer, moved to LA, started a production company with a friend of mine from law school. And um, I'd studied film and TV undergrad, just as a side note. So that it wasn't as random as it might sound. Right, right, right. (laughs) The passion was still there. The passion was still there. I love movies. I love, you know, filmmaking, storytelling. That's so funny that I didn't know that we have sort of the same trajectory because I winded up 
after college undergrad, I wanted to make write screenplays. So I would go out to LA to the pitch competitions. And then when I came back, I was like, okay, well, I got to take this serious. So I enrolled in the, um, in NYU School of Continuing Professional Studies for the producer track that they had there. And so I did that, um, got my certificate there. And then I was like, I'm going to move to California and become a producer and a writer. And then I moved to Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's so funny. Oh my, well, yeah, we need to talk more about this. And I'm actually, I'm actually this year, one of my goals for this year is to rewrite a screenplay that I wrote years ago that it's time for me. It's been on my mind. It's been on my heart. It's been unfolding slowly, but surely the story. Sometimes it's like that. You just like get that. I'm still in contact with my um, writing partner, Rob. And um, we, when we went out there the last time we did, we almost sold a few. And it was just like, back then it was just so different, you know, because the internet wasn't what it was. And I was telling people, you know, back then, like if you weren't out in LA, like you could be making contacts with someone and have like traction and then your script might be getting read and then that person gets fired and then you have to start all over. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Well, that's that was really part, that was a problem because it was, so we started a production company and the goal was that, you know, we were gonna make movies and we had, we optioned some screenplays, we'd optioned a book. We, I mean, we, we, we had a lot of projects actually. Wow. And, um, and it, you know, and this was back in, this was 2004. Right. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, so it was very different back then. And, um, I just, and we got all these meetings and we, there were, there were so many times where I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. Like, this is going to happen. Yep. You know, this is out. And then it was just like, just like you said, it's like, you know, somebody gets fired or something else or priority shift, or it's like, actually doesn't fit, you know? So it was just a grind. And, um, and um, I love movies. I love filmmaking. I don't like the industry. I don't like the schmoozy, you know, oh my God, this person is this and they do right. that. You gotta be impressed and you gotta like, cut, you know, I just hated that. I hated the celebrity worship, like the whole thing. So I got to a point there where I was like, um, you know, <laughs> at that point I was working all sorts of jobs. I was like doing wardrobe, um, styling. I was working on music videos. I was like doing these random things to help make money. Right. As, while getting your feet wet in the industry while getting my feet wet in this industry and um and that actually was kind of fun like you know i like working in production like it was all good but at the same time i was like all right like i'm you know (laughs) (laughs) right i'm not not a kid here you know right exactly you're like okay like you know it's like i'm i'm young i'm a young adult but i'm still like you know it's time for me to like you know figure some things out here so um I basically kind of reached my enough is enough with the film industry um, just because it felt like I was getting too far from what I loved about it. Mm. You know, like it was too far from the creativity. It was too far from the collaboration. It was too far from this feeling of like all these people coming together and like making this magic. It was just like too schmoozy grind disappointment, who, you know, having to care. And I'm also, I'm very bad at keeping track of people and like names and titles. Right. So, and like, you know, what's so everybody your name be like, again? <laughs> like, what's your name? I'm sorry. Everybody, exactly. Everybody like, well, you know, da, 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 it's CAA. And I'm like, I'm like, I no, I'm like, I don't no, remember. I'm him. like, I don't exactly. <laughs> I have no idea who you're talking about. I just, I'm like, I can't keep like who's agent, everybody. I just couldn't keep all that straight. So I was like, okay, you know what? This is okay. I love movies. I don't need to make them. Mm. And if I do make them, I don't need to make them like this. And this is not the time. This is not the place. So I, I left the industry and I went back into law because I didn't know what else to do. Right. Um, so I, so that, so like I said, I, I mean, I could go on. There's so many enough is enough, but I guess. So when you went back forward, into the second phase of law in California, where you had originally came to start this career in the film, what was it like, or what was the feeling that you were feeling being in a law firm different from, you know, New York is very different. Um, and what was that like for you? 
Yeah. So I, well, so one thing that I, I promised myself is that I would not have like a full-time salaried job as a lawyer. Okay. Like I didn't, so I didn't go back to be an associate. So I actually did go work at a firm, but I worked like on a contract basis. So I just was like, you know, I wasn't a full-time employee, which was, which worked for me because I could work for, you know, a month, two months, three months on a project you know, make some money and then take a month off, take a two months off. So that actually did serve me well for a while. Um, Cause once I got into that track of being able to do that and, and have that flexibility, then I was like, okay, then I was traveling a bunch, you know, I would literally, I did this for years, AC, like I would work for like six months and then I would take like two months off and I would just travel. Oh, that's fun. Like hang out. <laughs> like just do nothing and then go back to work and, and then find a job. Like, exactly. Then it'd be like, okay. And then I would call up because I worked, I, I had a good relationship with, I worked for one company for a long time. And so I would call up my boss and I'd be Any like, work. Hey, right. and he'd be like, hey, and he would give me something. And I, so I had a good situation. Oh, that um, sounds and be- lovely. And because I had that flexibility for a long time, it allowed me to stay, um, very aimless for a long time. Mm. Now that is a, a a big awareness. Yes. And so, what was that like having that awareness and saying, okay, enough is enough. I need to focus. So once I realized that I needed to focus, I, I was like, all right, well, this I'm floating through life. I'm not, I'm not advancing. I mean, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm having great adventures. I'm doing awesome things. I'm, you know, traveling the world. I'm all of this, you know, and I was on a whole personal journey, a spiritual journey, a journey, a, a love journey. So I was, I had a lot of internal stuff that I was probably more focused on for a while during that time. But then once all of the internal stuff started to come together more, then it was like, all right, well, now what am I going to do for my work? Because I need to do something that I care about and is exciting and fulfilling, and this is not it. <laughs> um, so I, I, I mean, to be honest, I got stuck there for a while. Mm, what's a while? Like two I years? Some, I spent some years in the wilderness. Um, well, okay. And the only reason why I bring up time is because a lot of my listeners and people are always, and I do it, this, do, do it as well. We look at time as such an enemy where mm. the time that we spend through these things and these periods are actually needed. And yes. so while you're going through them, you might not realize the time and you look back like, oh, wow, I was there for a long time, but it didn't yeah. feel like it in the moment. Yeah, no, that's a good question because it made me think. I'm like, how long was it? It was it was four years. Okay. In the grand years. scheme of things, it's not really that long. It's not that long, but it's a long time when you're going yeah. through it. When you're yeah. going through it, it feels yeah. like an, an eternity. Yes. And it felt like I just don't have any idea what to do next. And because, you know, filmmaking had been that was the dream that i right. had for a long time so then it was like all right well now that that dream is dead, <laughs> you know i don't know what my new dream is um so i a couple of things that helped me um well number one i went on survivor right Yes, Which for all ones? the Survivor fans who are like, she sounds familiar. She looks oh familiar. My God. Yes. What, was, what made you apply to Survivor? What was that like? So, um, so I didn't apply for Survivor. I applied because um, I'm a projector, and you know how we wait right. for the invitation. Correct. <laughs> so, actually, this is a, this is a perfect example of being a projector and just manifestation and how things work because I wanted to be on the amazing race. Oh, okay. And I loved that show. It was my favorite show. That and been so, you would have been so good at that. I would have been so good, AC. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. This universe really like, uh, we know you'd be good at it. That's why we're not going to put you on that show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that show was like made for me. You know, I had been. Um, you would have been, you probably would have won. I would have won the amazing race. Exactly. And I saw it so clearly, AC. AC, I'm telling you, I would watch that show and I'm like, this show, it was just me. I've been like traveling the world right, since that's I was- easy for you. You could probably get those 20. challenges with your eyes closed. I mean, I've jumped out of planes. I've climbed mountains. I was like, this is, I can read a map. <laughs> right, <laughs> I can, right. I can navigate in countries where I don't speak the language. I've been doing that for years. I, that show, it was like made for me. And so I, um, I applied to be on The Amazing Race, got really close. 
got, I mean, we got all the way through finals. They wow. took our, we got, we got vaccinations. They wow. took our passports we to get there. visas. Like it was, I mean, I was like, holy shit, this is I'm happening. I'm going to be on the, right. I'm going to be on the amazing race. <laughs> I couldn't, I was Yeah. Like, once they do the passports and the vaccinations, it's like, all right, it's a go. <laughs> exactly. We did all the medical exams. We did the psych exams. We were like, everything was ready to go. And I was like, holy shit, my dream is coming true. I can't believe this, this is amazing. And then at the last minute, they cut us. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And so how long from the cut to them giving you the major projector invitation? Like, hey, we think you'd be perfect for Survivor. <laughs> it was like almost a year. Wow. Really? Yeah. That shot. And what? so yeah. what did that kind of feel like to have this dream of being so close on the amazing race. And then what were you doing in the between time from that rejection to that invitation? Um, so I between, so I would, when I applied to amazing race, I was, I was tr already transitioning back to the East coast because I was in this limbo and I was like, all right, let me just go home for a while, reset, like spend some time with my family, spend some time with my friends, like figure out what my next move is. And then that's when the whole amazing race thing started happening. So I was like, oh my God. Like, so I went back to New York. They flew me back out to LA to like do all the casting and everything. And, um, and so then I went, I was working in New York for a company that I worked for for many years, um, just doing contract legal stuff. And, um, and then Survivor called and um, it's the same production company. It's the same network. And they were like, you know, we think you'd be amazing on Survivor. We really, you know, like we want to fly you out to LA and da, da. And I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said the same thing. I'm like, mm -mm, yes, I'm good. Like, Thank you. I was like, no, no, no. How Call about me when Big Brother, right? You know, Call me for like, Big Brother, guys. Pass. I'm like, oh God, I wouldn't do that either, actually. That seems I miserable. Loved, I would totally, I would, I would win Big Brother. Would you, Hand, you know what? Hands I've, down. I've never watched an episode of, full, of Big Brother. I used to love Big Brother. I was going to apply so many times. But I was like, no, I'm not ready. I would have won Big Brother or been the evil person on Big One of the other. <laughs> I know that for sure. I love that game. So, oh my God. Sidebar. So then sidebar. you said so, no. Hey, I said no, but they were very persuasive and they're like, look, it's not, you know, you don't have to commit now. Just come it's to fine. LA. Just come. And like, you know, and I, and and because I'd been through the whole amazing race thing, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm not going to get cast on this show anyway. So right, let me fine. just go and go. Let me just go and go. So I went, and um, I sailed through casting. I mean, of sailed course, of course. because I was like, I don't, I don't care. Right? You didn't care. It was an invitation. So here's a, here's the thing for projectors listening. When and I tell projectors this all the time. When you get invited, it's almost kind of disrespectful because it doesn't matter what you do if you are invited the invitation is yours green light it's go yeah and so that's what happened yeah. to you you literally probably were like here i am my name is francesca what y'all want <laughs> basically <laughs> and they're like oh my god we love her <laughs> exactly exactly like it was like every round of casting like the producers and the casting they all be like oh my god you're amazing like just keep doing what you're doing and i was like i'm not doing anything <laughs> right <'Cause laughs> be here so whatever um yeah so i sailed through casting obviously got cast on the show then i was like oh shit i guess i have to go do this now i guess i have to go now Ugh. oh my god but um it, so i went it was not good and um You're like it was not good it was not good you so, watched right yeah so it was not good so i came home and i was like damn it well, that was that seemed like a big waste of time. Like, why? How, I had a long, lot, how long was that I had production? A lot of regret. For, um, from the time you got there to the time you went home. Yeah. So the game itself is thirty nine days, and you right. have, everybody stays for thirty nine days. And oh, then you. you go, oh, I didn't know that. You oh, stay yes. even if you get kicked off because you were the yes. first, right? Yes. Even when you get voted off, you oh, have to stay. Oh shit! Oh, I know. That's why it sucks. So you're there. It's like you're basically there for like a week before the game starts. And then the game is 39 days. And then you basically we leave like a day or two after that. So however wow. long that is. So it's, a, so it's a while and it's a while, you know, no phone, no internet, no television, no contact with the outside world. Like literally we would talk, we'd be like aliens could have invaded New York city. And like, and we wouldn't, you know. wouldn't know, especially <laughs> back then. Oh my God. 
gosh. <laughs> that was, that's weird. Yeah. So I had a relationship that ended because of Survivor. Because, no, because yeah. you went on Survivor? Yeah. It was like, he just had a lot of... He just had a lot of insecurities about our relationship and it just was like, he just couldn't deal with it. He didn't want me to go. And the thing is, was like, it wasn't like I wanted to go so badly, but I was like, right. Well, I made I'm it not, pass. It's a job but, at this point. Like but, they but hired also, me. It was like, I can't, cause his reasoning for me not going, I was like, I can't co-sign this. Like, I love you. What was the reasoning? <laughs> you know? If he you just don't he, mind. He was just insecure. He was like, you know, he's like, what if you just like meet somebody on the show and oh then you God. like fall for fall in love on, Dude, on the show? I'm trying to. I'm, it's literally called Survivor. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be trying to survive. I'm not thinking about penis. Like, what yeah, are you doing? It was it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So anyway, so that so when I got back, I was like, that was such a waste of everything. Like, like mm. you know, all of this time, like I have nothing to show for it. Like, oh, what have I done? I was totally. So, did you and feel then... at that moment when you got back from Survivor the first time <laughs> that <laughs> the first time did you feel as though when we talk about like not having like have enough is enough? Were you then like, okay, now I have to really figure this out because I went to this thing, I spent fifty something days, nothing happened. I got to push myself towards something. Um, so no, because I was depressed. Okay. <laughs> You're like, no, because <laughs> now I got depressed. <laughs> You're like, nope, that didn't happen, AC. Nothing, because I got depressed. Okay. So you got depressed. Yeah. So I was, so this is like year two of four. Okay. Right? I'd okay. Say, right. Or one and a half of four. So I, um, yeah, I got depressed. Didn't know what to do. I was like, and at that point, I felt kind of like I felt like a bitter projector. Mm. I felt like everything that, that I have gone you're after angry my at life people's success. Now you're like, like, oh, you're getting married. Well, fuck you. Like, you know, I mean, I was just bitter. I was just like, I was like, okay, I went to law school. Why? Mm. I moved to LA and started a production company. Why? I went on Survivor. Why? I was in love with this man. Why? Like I was just so a lot of whys <laughs> blaming, which a happens. Lot of, yes, yes. So a lot of really just not getting any of it. Just like I don't get it. I don't get why this is happening. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what else to do. I feel like I've tried everything. I was in a bad. It was it was a dark time. Oh. Um, and then um unexpectedly survivor invited me back for a second season because they'd never done that before they'd never invited anybody else they'd never invited anyone back who'd been the first person voted out so mm. it wasn't something i had ever i had even contemplated as a possibility so when they called me and invited me back i was like are you serious like why <laughs> like i you saw what happened you seen the footage why exactly. do I, you want me to come back Exactly. I was like, and then, uh, and again, I was like, I don't want to do that again. That was miserable. Right. But I'm like, okay, this is happening for a reason. This is an invitation. And this is long before I knew anything about, right. you know, human design, but I was like, this is an invitation that a lot an opportunity that a lot of people would like give anything for. And it's falling into my lap and that must be doing that for right. a reason. It's again, so, like, like it's happening again. So, so let me, and, and it can't be any worse than the first time. That's the other thing I said. So and maybe <laughs> I win a million dollars. So the universe was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> tricked you. <ya. laughs> oh my God. Oh, honey, the lessons are not done, honey. This is just starting. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So you, so you said, all right, another invitation. I said another invitation. Cause I just, you know, at that time I was single. I was working a job that was perfectly fine. I mean, I was making like a decent living and all of that. And I could still like travel and take time and all of that. And it was like, you know, but it was still, I was aimless. So I was like, all right, well, maybe this will spark something. Maybe something will happen. Something will happen. I don't know what, maybe something will happen. Something's so, going to happen, right? Something happened. So I went back. I got voted off first the second time. And I was like, okay. Then I was mad. Then I was right. like, then I was like, okay, now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Somebody owes me an explanation. Now <laughs> I'm going to figure this shit out. Like then I was really motivated. Like, I, and I was what, like what kicked in the motivation? Was it the fact that you had got kicked off again or that you had relived sort of those feelings again about you 
kind of being there, being away, all of that stuff. Like what was- It was everything. It was everything. I was like, like the fact, just, just to, to just, just the odds. First of all, I was like, I'm a person, you know, I'm, I, well, not anymore cause I haven't exercised in a year, but in general, <laughs> You know, I mean, I was, you know, an athletic person. I, you know, I'm a very social person. I've always been, I've always, I've always right, been. Right, you're intelligent, you're I'm smart. always been so like. Right. So to me, it was like everything that I took for granted, like I'm smart, I'm social, I'm athletic, like everything, everybody was like, who cares? We're voting you out. And it was just so like, it was like, it was like an existential crisis. Cause I was just mm. like, what am I missing here? Like, this is just right. so. I just, I, I, it felt like this experience is just so. It almost sounds like it was almost like gaslighting in a way. Cause like, yeah, <laughs> you're marketable. You look good. Cause we asked you back twice. Like you have a personality, you have all of these great things, but we don't want you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? I'm confused yeah, guys. Exactly. Like, exactly. So it was just really confusing. I was just like, I don't understand what is happening like i just don't so i was like i gotta figure it out because i need to change the narrative my life story cannot be <laughs> right i got kicked off a of survivor twice i the can't first time. Be, yeah i can't be the first you know i can't that can't just be it like that can't be it so i was like really motivated to figure it out and so and then when i got back from filming survivor i wound up meeting a guy and we had this like whirlwind romance and he flew me to london for our first date oh. and we were like we were just like wow. having this like <laughs> we had this like amazing like passionate love affair which was very exciting um and i was like oh my god maybe he's the one so then so i for so for a minute i got a little distracted by the relationship because i was mm. like well maybe this is the thing that's gonna this is be what like, my life is gonna be i'm gonna be this is this what my life is gonna amazing. be wife girlfriend with this person yes. world's win amazingness yes exactly i was like this is what it's gonna be um and then my brother died very suddenly mm. and then um yeah it was just i mean oh my god it was it was such a crazy time anyway so that was so this was year three okay and a half i'd say by this point okay so come back from my second season of survivor fell in love my brother dies and i was like life life is really too short because you can right literally you've had all of these really <laughs> sudden things with life and family and now another relationship and so you had like life career family all of these enough kind of moments yes yes in this yeah. time and so after that your brother dying the relationship ending survivor second time was there still like a little bit of like we're still not there yet i still oh, haven't yeah. had there enough was, okay. there was there was a lot of like okay so then at that point so i literally was like okay enough is enough we're gonna figure this shit out <laughs> and i just like i was like okay universe i i'm open and but i'm gonna figure something out so i started to work with what i what i knew i'm like okay i don't know what i'm gonna do but this is what i know i know i want to work for myself i know i don't want to be tied to an office. I don't want to be working, you know, even though I had this good, this good um, setup with work where I could, I would work on projects and I would take time off. But when I was working, I was working, like when I was working, I was working like 50, 60 hours a week. Wow. You know, it was like hard. It was intense, intense, like short bursts of like intense work. And then I would have a break, but I was like, I can't, that just being in an office, like on a computer chained to a desk for 10, 12 hours a day. Like I did that for so long AC. And I was like, I know this is what I don't want to do. So I really started with a lot of lifestyle things. Like I started with knowing like, all right, I don't mind working hard, but I need to work for myself because I'll need to put in this much work for anybody else, especially right. not to just like make some, you know, corporation richer. So there was that. <laughs> um, and I knew that whatever I did, I just needed to be like excited about it and feel mm. like I'm like, because what I did before, it was like, I was perfectly good at my job. I was good. I was good at my job, but lots of people could do that job. And I really felt like, and I think, you know, I've talked about this also as projectors, like we just have this desire to innovate. 
you know, right. we have yeah. this desire. Oh my to gosh. Like, yes. It's like you know, ingrained in us. We just want to so, do something new and different. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think for a while I settled for the fact that I had a lifestyle that was different because I did, because especially when I first moved to LA and like all my friends were like, you know, this was, I was 28 or 29 when I first moved to LA and like all my friends, like people were starting to buckle down in their careers and advance. And I was like, I'm like, like you I'm, know, fun. I'm yeah. like in LA and I'm like <laughs> hanging out at Prince's house. And I'm like, gonna right. be like, you know, I'm like, I was having this whole like LA, like, experience. you know, whatever experience yes. and, and, um, and all my friends are like having babies. Well, not all my friends, actually, my closest friends weren't doing that, but like a lot of my friends from like law school were like, right. They were on that. Yeah. Trying to trajectory like, of like law school yeah. husband yeah family exactly kids. exactly and i was like and i'm like oh lord girl no <laughs> like, oh, got- girl, y'all look stressed. I'm <laughs> exactly <jet setting. laughs> i'm jet setting i'm dating all the boys i mean it was actually a lot of fun um in that like on a personal level it was a really good time but i had amazing experiences and growth and had, you know, I, I developed so much confidence in myself because I used to like think boys didn't like me. And then I was like, oh shit, lots of boys like me. Right. <laughs> so I was having all this fun and boys and da da da. But you know, again, it was like, okay, enough is enough because this is, this only goes so far, right? right. And not fulfilling anymore. So fast forward back to, you know, after Survivor and I'm like, okay, these are the things I know, want to work for myself, want to do something I care about, can't be chained to a desk. I need to be flexible don't know what that's going to look like. But mm. as the universe would have it, once you start to get clear and I was writing mm-hmm. it down, I was like, okay, this is what I want. And, you know, five years, I want to have this much money. I want to have this kind of, and, um, and then I wound up just hearing about a matchmaker named Paul Brunson, who is a black male matchmaker. And I was like, there's a black male matchmaker? Who is this person? <laughs> Cause I always just loved meddling in people's love lives. I love talking about love. I've been on my own love journey that had been a focus of mine. Never occurred to me that like, there was a career for me in the love industry because I didn't even know that was a thing that existed. <laughs> right, um, right. I just found out people, there is matchmaking school. Ta-da. Yes. I had exactly. No exactly. They, exactly. They have matchmaking awards every year. I did not know that. Exactly. Now I know. <laughs> exactly. I know. There's this whole industry. So Paul had I so I was following him on Twitter. I started following him on Twitter and he tweeted he was going to be speaking at the Matchmaking Institute's annual conference. <laughs> and I was so. like, and I was like, what? What? Wait, what? <laughs> what, what, is what, this? what? What is this? Matchmaking <laughs> Institute, a conference, awards, certifications. Right. I was exactly. like are you kidding me? And so, and I literally, I remember, and I should find this tweet. I was, I wrote, I tweeted, I responded to his tweet and I was like, oh my God, I want to come to that. And he said, you should come. And I was like, I will. <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm going to be there. <laughs> I was like, he was just being nice to a stranger on the internet. But I was like, I took that as an invitation. Right. Again, didn't, didn't know about human design, but I was like, he said, you should come. And You're I was like, like yes. sure, this feels great. <laughs> All right, I'll be there. Where's it at? So I went to the matchmaking Institute conference and I met all these matchmakers and I was like, these are just regular people and it's their job to help people find love. Like what? This is my mind was blown, blown. And I'm like, I love love. I love dating. I love meddling in people's love lives. I love talking about this. And that's something that I naturally did. I had a dating advice blog back when I lived in LA the first time I lived in LA, just because that was just, I want to talk about dating. And it never occurred to me like, oh, maybe there's something here. Something there because I'm talking about it from a very abstract kind of place, not just my life. And this could be a career. Yeah. It never occurred to me. So that's always my advice for people too, is like when they're trying to figure out what to do. I always follow the clues, people. It's just like, follow the clues. It's like, what are the things that, because the reason I started writing about dating is that somebody invited me to be part of her blog. And she was like, oh, she it was a blog. It was like all black women. And she's like, it's just one like interesting black women. You can write about whatever you want to write about. You want to write about the law. I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not like, writing uh, about the law. No. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? I was like, I'm not doing that in my spare time. That's not happening. Um, and she's like, whatever you want. And I was like, well, the only thing that I would want to write about is dating. But I mean, it's not like I am like any authority. I just like talking about dating. And she was like, write about dating. I was like, okay. So I always like tell people, like if somebody just said to you, like, okay, here's an opportunity, you know, we're going to give you a show. We're going to give you a blog. We're going to give you a podcast. Like what would that be about? And mm. don't try to be practical about it. Like what would make money or just be like, what would you be personally excited and interested to talk right. about? 
Mm. And that's just like, so, because if somebody had said that to me, I'd be like, well, dating, but then the, what, what do I do with that? And then it's like, right. well, forget, forget about that. Cause you can figure all that out. Cause we're always trying to figure out what this is going to lead to or what the expectation is. And it's just exactly. like, well, just start from a place of, because you really like talking about it. Exactly. Exactly. And the re- and I know it's so hard to like trust, especially if somebody's like the thing I'm really interested in is like, I don't know miniature you know tchotchkes or whatever it's like (laughs) or like i don't know miniature pigs it's like well don't worry about it like if you love miniature pigs you love miniature pigs for a reason right so like it'll all unfold and it will actually unfold so um so i went to the the conference and i was like oh my god this is what i'm gonna do like i'm gonna be a matchmaker i'm gonna be a matchmaker i'm gonna just introduce everybody to their perfect partner it's gonna be amazing and um so i got my matchmaking certification you know went to matchmaking school um (laughs) i think that's so amazing because i'm all about (laughs) certifications and i had no clue that there are matchmaking Um, certifications there's matchmaking certifications and i went on facebook and I said this again, very projector style, made myself visible. I was like, hey, everybody, I'm a matchmaker now. <laughs> oh, God, I can just see that post like and they're like, OK, girl, like, thanks for telling us. And everyone was like, um, <laughs> what do you mean? What? I'm confused. Excuse me? <laughs> So I wish I could say that everybody was like, oh my God, yes, this is amazing. But everyone was like, congratulations, Congratulations. Right, like, what does this mean for us? (laughs) Like, you just told us why. So that's another thing that I always tell people is like, don't expect every, if you're waiting, if you're expecting, if you're waiting for everybody to get on board and to co-sign your dream, before you follow your heart, like mm. you're like, just don't do that. Cause you yeah. just, you just never, and people, and I'm just so glad that I was at such a kind of like breaking point in my life where I was like, I gotta do something else. So like, this is it. This is the thing I'm excited about. This is what I'm going to do. And I don't care what anybody says about it. Like I just, this is what I have to try to do. And um, so, yeah, so I started that. And then I was, so I started my own matchmaking business. I started working for Paul and his company um and then you know then there's so many transitions so then after doing matchmaking for a year and a half and (laughs) taking years off my life because it's like the world's most stressful job as it turns out um (laughs) because people are just picky as hell and not often Mm -hmm. very realistic and they feel like Oh, now that I'm paying you money, I can just right. Give you- now you can go and create a man for me, Frank. Exactly, like <laughs> he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna look like Idris Elba. He's gonna have the heart of Nelson Mandela. He's <laughs> not, gonna- no, no, it's gonna be. Wait, <laughs> he's, he's gonna have the athletic build of like you know. I mean, it was just it was just too ridiculous, and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't. <laughs> That is man- not Idris Elba with the heart of Nelson Mandela, child. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. Oh my God. I can't even imagine what that is. I don't want that man. Don't send me that man. <laughs> Please. It's too much. It's too much. Oh my God. And so, um, so I started coaching really out of necessity because it was like the people that the people that we could coach, we could match. And the people that we couldn't coach, we couldn't you match. You can't match them, right? Yeah. That makes so sense. Like, so I was like, well, this the coaching is what it's all about. So um it was, it was enough with enough enough was enough with matchmaking. It was it was hard, but it was also, you know, fun at times. And it was such um it was such an out of the box experience, like mm, being a matchmaker. But it got you to where you are now. Totally, totally, totally. And so I've I've just accepted the fact now that like my life and my career, it's always just going to be constantly unfolding. And right. I'm like, and it sounds like that it's a culmination of a lot of enough is enough kind of moments to get you where you need to go. Absolutely. And I think those listening need to understand that sometimes these moments are not to like tear us down like we think we are, they are in the moment but look at where you are now because you are a phenomenal love coach and I say Aww. that as having experienced Franny and for those listening please hire her if you are and because and I think what's good to know is that your perspective on love and dating 
is very um, unique to where when we had our session and I was, you know, giving you my list, making up my Idris Elba slash Nelson Mandela, <laughs> that you made, one thing that nobody's ever made me think about is how do you want this person to be in a relationship? And I was like, excuse me? What? <laughs> I just want to, I never thought about how these qualities actually showed up in an actual relationship. I was just like, no, if they have them, that's it. That's good. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, no, but how do they act with those qualities in the relationship? What does that look like? And you have this, um, and Franny also, since she's also a human design expert and she knows about human design, she has that like perspective as well. But you have this philosophy called raw, which I want you to break down for people because I just had an experience, which we'll talk about offline. About um, and somebody claimed that they were willing, which is the W, and they actually weren't. But go ahead. Oh, they that's sometimes they do. Yes, yeah, so raw, ready, able, willing. And this is what I tell people. I'm like, if you were dating, looking for a relationship, if you're just looking for fun, this does not account. And, and that's fine if you're at a place in your life where you're not looking for anything serious. I've been there. And that's great and I had a good time. But when you're looking for a relationship, you're looking for somebody who is ready, able, and willing, all three. And you yourself also need to be all three of these things because we can't ask for other people to show up in relationships in ways that we can't show up ourselves. So that's another pitfall a lot of people fall into. They're like, I want somebody who like loves and accepts me for exactly who I am. And it's like, are you able to do that for other people? <laughs> right. We're like, well, no, not really. Not at this time in my life. Exactly. Not now, but I want them to do it for me. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. Um, so ready is just as simple as someone who can articulate, I am ready for a relationship. That's it. It's not relationship with you. It's just, I am at a place in my life where I am ready for a relationship. And this means you are, you can articulate this and you're looking for people who can also articulate that, right? So, and, and if they can't articulate it, then they're not ready. <laughs> and if they can articulate it, it doesn't mean necessarily that they are ready, but at least it's a step in the right direction. That's why we I say we need all three of these things. So mm -hmm. somebody says, I'm ready for a relationship. Okay, great, check. Now moving on, <laughs> doesn't mean, okay, this is the one. It's like, okay, that's a good, that's a good start. Then you move to ABLE. And able is more complicated because it's not just a question. It's not just, you know, I'm ready for a relationship. It's actually demonstrating that someone is available for a relationship emotionally. Mm -hmm. They're able to risk emotional pain. They're able to prioritize another person. They're able to make time and space in their life for another person. Um, and these things, again, are independent of you. So even though as you're dating somebody, you're obviously you're observing it in relation to you, but it's like, it's about taking a step back and not being like, well, this person likes me enough to be available. Mm, <laughs> you know what I'm they saying? They have to it's be like, available in general. They have to be available in general. They have to be in a place in their life because what what fairy tales and especially romantic comedies, romantic comedies, this they're is the best. This is, this is, they're so much fun, but this is like the really the this is the real downside of romantic comedies is that they all re, most of them reinforce this narrative that if somebody is unavailable and they really like you they'll become right. available that's not true franny that's not that. true <laughs> franny <laughs> taught me that guys that's not true <laughs> it's not true because we can only we can only do what we can only receive like Amari. So our friend Amari Ice, as you know, Amari is an also amazing, he's an amazing matchmaker, coach. And I, my favorite quote about from his about um, from him about relationships is the reason that people are single or will soon be single again is because they are trying to have a level twenty five relationship, relationship yeah. with level three skills. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, a lot of us are level threes. A um, lot of us are level. I've been level three. I've been there. I'm past there. level three. I don't know. You're way. How. You're way past level three. You're way past <laughs> level three. But I've been at level three, right? And I've been level three. Like I want my soulmate, and it's like I wasn't ready for that. I couldn't right. receive that, right? So available is really, uh, you know, able, sorry, so ready, able, willing. So able is really about that availability. It's about demonstrating that. And um, 
and really not making it personal to me or to to the person that you're dating, but really about like, these are just the skills that I have cultivated. This is a place where I am. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you'd have to have, you know, no fear and you're totally vulnerable and you're totally like, it doesn't mean we don't have to be perfect, but the more we can move in that direction, the better, right? Right. Um, and then willing, now this gets into, is this person demonstrating that they are willing to put in consistent effort to move things forward with you specifically? Right. And sometimes this can be very confusing, right? right. <laughs> um, well, and sometimes, and sometimes it can be confusing because they are, because somebody could be pursuing the hell out of you and they could be saying that they're ready. So they could have, they could say the, the ready. So you could have the ready and you could have the willing, but you don't have the able. And mm. that's really confusing, right? Yeah, that's, that sounds like it would suck. It sucks. I've been there. Have you been there? I, I mean, I probably have. Yeah, I've, I've been with probably all of them. And I'm just like, I'm just going to make it up in my mind that you fit it. So it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I and I've been that I've been that person who said I was ready. Right. And I was willing, but I wasn't really able. Right. Yeah. And so I wasn't able to really be vulnerable. I wasn't able to really um, co-create emotional safety with another person because I didn't have that level of emotional safety within myself. Mm. And, and so when I talk about emotional safety with other people, that might seem more obvious. It's like, okay, you're somebody who respects your emotions. They don't ignore them. They don't shame you. They don't gaslight you. They don't tell you you're wrong for feeling how you feel, right? Like just basically just accepting and validating another person's emotions doesn't mean that you're like saying that they're right. It's just saying like, I, I understand your perspective. It's just like, just safety. It's just a baseline right, of like respect right. and safety. But how often do we shame ourselves for what we feel or tell ourselves we shouldn't feel the way that we feel or, you know, all of these things that if somebody else were to talk to us the way that we talk to ourselves, <laughs> right. right, it would be, we'd be like, mm, no, that's not okay. So again, we'd have to be perfect. But the more we can cultivate that faith and that trust and that safety, that acceptance within ourselves, then it's like so, so, so much easier to, you know, do that for other people. But when we try to do that for other people without doing it for ourselves first, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so we don't have to be perfect, but we do need to be aware and we need to understand that it all starts with us. And the more that we're able to love ourselves and truly believe that we're worthy of having the love that we want and that we have the resilience to weather the ups and downs and to bounce back from pain because that's really what gets us stuck is that we think that like if i get hurt i'll never recover right and the reality is you will you absolutely will um you, we have our capacity to love is infinite and therefore our capacity to heal is infinite and it doesn't mean that we are there's no way to guarantee in this life that we don't have pain, disappointment, heartache. And even if you meet the love of your life tomorrow and you spend the next 40 years right. together, you still will experience all of blissfully stuff, happy, yeah. you're still going to have to say goodbye one day. Mm -hmm. You're still going to, you know, quote unquote, lose that person. Right. And so, and when I say quote unquote, because like, you don't ever really lose anybody because right. love, yeah, the love doesn't go everything. away, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Um, oh, so, yeah. this so, is great. Uh, <laughs> I know I mean, we could talk all day and I because I know that but what I love about this is that for everybody listening Franny's enough moments would not have if she didn't push past those she would not be where she is today because yes, as from her story you can see you can hear all of the times where you might have given up and she did it so that's good and I just I think just it's really important for us to like kind of come to an awareness and know that having these moments where enough is enough and all of that stuff you're really you are moving towards something you just don't know it so it's about you trusting because yes. if you didn't trust or have that like well I guess so <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you know, 
<laughs> you never would be where you are and you're doing so many amazing things. Mm, um, thank you. And we just yeah. had the True Love Summit on Clubhouse, which is amazing. It took us out. We were super exhausted for any like- <laughs> It took us out. <laughs> oh my gosh. It took, I was like, I couldn't even move my body. I was like, what's going on? I, I got to sleep, but you're just doing so many amazing things. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And I hope everyone listening just really knows that your enough moments lead you to something really great and something good. Yes, Is there anything absolutely. else you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just that it's just knowing that we can't know how our lives are going to unfold. And yes, there's anxiety in that, but there's also excitement and possibility in that. And the more that we can exercise that trust muscle, that faith that like, okay, this is happening for a reason. If I follow my heart, that's, you know, that's happening for a reason. And when I say that, I, I mean, I, the caveat is when it comes to dating, there can be other things going on right. <laughs> that are maybe leading you into a pattern that maybe doesn't serve you. So let's, you know, there's always that possibility, but the more self-awareness that we can have, the more kindness we can cultivate towards ourselves, the more, compassion we can cultivate towards ourselves, the easier it is to kind of navigate all of the uncertainty of life, but the uncertainty that's part of the journey. So we just gotta, <laughs> right. We just gotta go with it. We just gotta go with it. We just gotta go with it. But, um, the, the, the thing that I'm most proud of in my life is the fact that I've never just fully given up. I've gotten stuck. Mm, right. I've been in the rut. <laughs> Right. Been in, the, in the trenches and the pain. I've been in I've been in the trenches. I've been in the like, I no idea what to do next place. I've been there. I know how that feels. I know how that feels when it comes to romance. I know what it feels like to have my heart broken. I know what it feels like to think I met the one and then I wound up like, you know, totally in a puddle of tears and like, how has this happened to me again? You know, I know those I know those lows very well. Um and I think just, it, it's just the fact that I've been like, well, I have to try. I got to try right. to get here. <laughs> and um, just that trying has, I mean, the trying is the doing, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's what has served me really well in my life. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Franny, my friend. Thank and to you. those of you, all of her stuff will be in the show notes. And I want to thank you all for listening again to another episode and make sure you all have an amazing day filled with good vibes and great energy. And remember, don't let anybody fuck with you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.